Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear people of Advent, guests, friends, family, and especially today, our vicar Debner and his wife Emily. Our text today, taken from this text of our gospel lesson, we'll just read this portion of it. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and all his household believed. Here ends our text. One of the things that sounds simple. It's a great Lutheran phrase, but it's one that we want to be able to send with our vicar. It is that phrase that says, the word does it all. Something very famous that Martin Luther once said. While Amstorf and I sat in Wittenberg drinking beer, which our vicar fulfilled ever so greatly when he was in Wittenberg, he said the word did it all. The Word does it all. There are three so-called stories that are connected to this text. One that we did not read is a text that tells us three lessons about the Word of God and about the advancement of God's Word. The first had to do with a Samaritan woman. She was a sinful woman. And Jesus, by revealing himself to her through both law and gospel, not only brought her to the faith, but also it was she who brought people to Jesus so that they might believe in his word. In other words, she was not the evangelist, the word itself was. The second story is a story that Jesus tells, it's kind of parabolic, about the sower of seed. That is, he says that one person will sow, another person will reap. The hard part is the job of sowing God's word and the so-called benefit from that which comes to others much later in life is the reaping. And today, of course, we are reaping the benefits of the great confessions of those who have gone before us, not just Martin Luther, but even before that. All the way through the past 2,000 years, of Christians who have made the good fight of faith and who have confessed this faith so that today we ourselves might reap the benefits of it. And the third story is, of course, our textual story. It is the story of a man who was living in Capernaum, that city that lay at the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was up in Cana, which was way up a very high kind of semi-mountainous area and so this man had traveled quite some distance just to get there, but he did so because there was a son of his who lay sick and dying. And out of desperation, he goes to Jesus 
and he asks him to heal his son. He wants him to come with him as though he were a doctor, that somehow maybe he has a remedy that might make this boy whole. And instead, Jesus simply says, your son will live. And he believes the word, but when he goes back and finds out the hour at which his son was healed, he recognizes that Jesus simply spoke the word, and the word did it all. There are, I guess you might say, three lessons for all of us in this, not only our vicar, but also for each and every single one of us, because as Christians, we are all called to be messengers of God's Word like that Samaritan woman. We, of course, know that this cannot take place unless we ourselves have become the objects of God's grace. What are you going to say to people? Why do you need Jesus? You need to be able to know Jesus. You need to be able to understand His Word. You need to be able to come to faith. Why? Because like that Samaritan woman who had had five men in her lives and she was living with a man who was not her husband, she who would go to the well in the middle of the day when all the other women wouldn't go because she was not just maybe ashamed, but she was also a person who was a social outcast. Now the women wanted to have anything to do with this man-stealer. She was a sinful woman. And he made her into an object of his grace, and his mercy, his forgiveness. What do you suppose that that meant when she told people about who Jesus was? It meant that when she was pointing to Jesus and led them to him, she was leading them to him, the one who was capable of being able to forgive her sins. And this had filled her heart with a zeal and a devotion for the word. For our vicar, for all of us, unless we are an object first of the law, that is to say, unless the law shows to us how desperately we are in need of a Savior, then and only then does that wonderful word of grace make us into true messengers of the word. For if we can say that God has forgiven us as sinful as we are, what an encouragement for others to be able to come to Christ and to know that they too can be forgiven as well. Our second lesson has to do with the fact that, well, as this story of sowing and reaping, we must remember that the growth of the church, it always belongs to God, and it is up to Him. Sowers in this scheme of things are seldom reapers. I realize that most of us haven't been raised in an agricultural setting, so sowing and reaping is not necessarily something that we automatically identify with, but in those days what you would do is you would scratch the soil and then you would throw out your seed, and sometimes it fell in the wrong places and didn't grow very well, but by and large you would sow that seed and then you would wait for the rains, and then you would wait for the growth, and eventually, by the fall, much later, something would happen, and you would be able to then reap the harvest from that. Well, quite frankly, 
when it comes to the sowing of the Word of God, it takes a long time. And sometimes there are not just, it's not just long times in the lives of these people, it's sometimes as generations as well. We already saw it. We went on a trip to Germany in order to be able to celebrate the Reformation. 500 years. And had it not been for the hard work of those people, of the people even who had gone before them, there would be no way that we today would ever be able to hear the Word of God. How close even it came to be in Europe when those Muslims were knocking on the door of Vienna. It came that far away from all of us today, probably standing here singing or saying words that might come from the Quran. Because of their work of sowing, we today have been given the privilege. This is true in any other aspect of our life. Had it not been probably for our grandparents, we probably would not be Christians today. Had it not been for the hard work of people even in their jobs, it would be impossible for their children to get an education and to prosper. The ones who are the sowers are the ones who do the hard work. The reapers are those who simply reap the benefits of what it is that has been done before them. Could you imagine how the disciples, the 11 of them, maybe the first 120 or so of them that had gathered together there at the day of Pentecost, could they have imagined that 600 million people today would claim to be Christian? I say claim. Could they ever imagine that Christianity could have spread into the entire four regions of the world through their efforts? Could we imagine even as we've talked about this Reformation, that that ringing doctrine of salvation by grace through faith could ever have been so clearly articulated and hung upon the hearts of so many today if it had not been for their sacrifice too. None of us is going to see what happens in future generations but I can guarantee that today the hard work of making sure that our children and our children's children and their children know and understand this Christian faith is not going to be something that we're going to see the immediate benefits from it. It's going to be something that we have to sacrifice today in order for somebody else in the future to be able to receive the benefits of it just as we ourselves are reaping the benefits of those who have gone before us. We must remember the growth of the church always belongs to God, but the sowing and the reaping are something that are very different, and sometimes we are not going to see the benefits of what it is that we have worked so hard to do today. Thirdly, I think a lesson that we should all learn from this text is we think about that despairing father as that despairing father went to Jesus and pleaded for the life of his son, is always to remember that the power, the power that leads to salvation, like the Apostle Paul said, in the gospel, the power of salvation, that's where it's to be found. The power is always in God's word. Think about what this means. Jesus simply says to a man, go, your son will live. No heroics, 
No fireworks. No crowds of people singing and affirming the words of Jesus as though they were somehow going to embellish them and make them more significant. Go, your son will live. And the word did it all. What does that mean? The insignificance, future Pastor Debner, of taking a baby up to that baptismal font and saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't see any fireworks. They don't see miracles. They don't see signs. Just the Word. And God's Word does it all. When those words are spoken here, whether it be privately or in the public setting of the congregation, when we say, in the name and in the stead of Christ, to forgive you all your sins, you think that those are just plain human words? Jesus said it. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven unto them. The sins forgiven here on earth are going to be forgiven in heaven. There are no fireworks that go with those words. There are no human elements that make those words more real or more true. But those are the words of God. And faith, faith grabs onto those words and receives every bit of benefit when we say, your sins are forgiven. They're God's word. And that word does it all. When those words are spoken over those elements of bread and wine, this is my body, this is my blood. What makes it his body? What makes it his blood? The word. No fireworks. No signs of display. See, no matter what, take it into our hearts, we all know that we want miraculous signs, just like Jesus said to that man. You won't believe unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. Miraculous signs and wonders today, big crowds. Miraculous signs and wonders today that somehow we're going to see all kinds of wonderful things happening, people feeling really good in the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. No. It's simple. And God intends it this way. He hides and buries himself in his words so that we know that it is not us, it is not our doing, it is not our work, because the minute it becomes that much our work, then the devil comes and steals that word away because he makes us come to realize that we, if we have to contribute something to our salvation, that this is actually something we can never attain. So he takes it out of men's eyes and takes it out of men's sight and takes it out of miracles and he places it into that simple little tiny word. And in that word is the power that leads to everlasting life. God's word does it all. So what words of counsel could we give to our vicar? as we say goodbye to him today. Along with that Samaritan woman, 
we say to him as we say to ourselves, always be an object of grace. Just like those sowers and reapers, we're going to say to him, work hard for something that you probably will never quite see the benefits of. And if and when you prosper, always remember that it is God who prospers you, not you. And along with that man whose son was healed and given life again, don't be fooled by wonders and signs of this world. Always remember, for as insignificant as it might be, the power is in the Word of God. So preach the Word, the Word alone of God's free, unmerited, undeserved kindness and mercy in Christ that saves and obtains everlasting life. Remember, remember, and remember, the Word does it all. Amen. May the peace of God surpasses all human understanding. Guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.